I love seeing trail running women with with arms. Like I I I lift, I do push-ups, I think it's so important, especially from rugby. Um, I'm working on my pull-up form. Um, I mean, I used to lift way, I mean, I used to power lift with the men back when I played rugby and I, I did, really didn't want to lose all that strength. And so now I'll be in, you know, pictures at races and um, that'll be the comment. It won't really be about my legs or anything, but it'll be, you know, in that moment, I've got my poles back or something and I'm flexing or whatever. And then someone will be like, oh my God, like you have arms. And I'm like, yeah, because do you know what it takes to carry poles at Barkley for 27 hours? It takes a lot of arm strength and it, you don't think about it because the only way you know, yeah. two pounds total, God, 27 hours of two pounds, either just like, you know, off by your side or, cause I don't fold them up and put them away in any race I've ever done. I never, I never put my poles in my pack because they jingle. <laughs> it drives me crazy. Um, so I just carry them for hours and hours and hours. That my friend was Liz County. And this is the Inspiration Runners podcast. Hey everyone, hope you're all well. My name's Robbie Marsh and I'm your host, so welcome to the podcast. Can't believe we have Liz on the podcast this week from the rugby field to the Western States, the Barkley Marathon, CCC, winner of the Barkley Fall Classic, not once but twice. She is without doubt up there with the best. Super excited to see her progression over the next few years as she moves into the mountains of Colorado, where no doubt she will continue to be a badass runner. Before we start, I'd just like to give a shout out to XL Sports, who have just announced the new date for the Seven Sisters Skyline Race in Donegal, which is a 55k mountainous race, which takes part in Dunluy on the 21st of May next year. I believe that they have a shorter 28k distance on the same date, so why not check it out? Race director Yunan Quinn has put up a nice prize fund of 5,000 euros, so it'll be interesting to see how many elite runners join the party, which is fast becoming Ireland's best mountain race. You'll be glad to hear that our podcast listeners can gain 10% off by using the code INSPIRE10 during your registration online. It's going to be an epic race. We will be running a competition on the Inspirational Runner Podcast Facebook page very soon for free entry, so keep an eye out for that. To all the crazy runners listening in, it's with great pleasure I give you Liz Cante. Anyways, you were saying that you're moving. How long have you doing your last job? Let me see. I've I moved to Alabama in 2016 from Boston, and uh, I had a, two different jobs while I was here. But yeah, I was working for a space company um, from 2019, so just like two and a half years, and then. Yeah, we just quit. We had our last day, July 30th. It was really awesome. Like what plucked up the courage to do that? Oh, it didn't take much. I was just, I I was ready to leave whenever. I don't care about selling the house or anything. It was um, my husband wanting to finally uh, quit his job, finally being willing to quit his job. He'd been at his job for like 13 years. So trying to convince him to quit his job was a bit of a bit more of a struggle. So would you call yourself a persuasive person then? I mean, I think all I had to do was really point at the mountains the last time we were there. And then when we both went and interviewed in Colorado for our, our new jobs, um, I got a phone call like right after his interview and it went really well, but he was also like, nope, it's great. We can leave. Like, he, he, you know, he just had to be out there and, you know, see that we would be 10 minutes from the Rocky Mountains, you know what I mean? Or like an hour and a half from Silverton, you know, like Hard Rock, Leadville all of this stuff. And so it didn't take much report, uh, uh, much persuasion after he got a taste of it. He's been in the South his whole life. I've only been here a few years and I hate it. So <laughs> I'm leaving <laughs> <all>. <laughs> he's been here for thir almost 40 years. Is he a runner then? 
Is he linked into the likes oh, of Led yeah. and Hard Rock and stuff like that? Oh yeah, he's been doing this way longer than I have. He's been running probably for about ten years. Um, I've only been running about five, uh, basically since I moved here. And um, so yeah, he he had no problem um, being convinced. And he's a trail runner. He's done. Um, we were signed up for UTMB this year, but we just uh, he was signed up for UTMB, and we just actually deferred a few weeks ago because the COVID. We still didn't really want to travel. Yeah unfortunately that, that is mental like what year did they defer to next year 23 just next year yeah so just 2022 um yeah if enough people defer i wonder if they'll have to start hit, um hopping over to 23 but um, so far just 2022 it's strange like because um as people know from my podcast i don't do much prep in fact i i allow mm-hmm. myself one hour before i meet the guests to try and scramble mm-hmm. a bit of information I don't listen to any previous podcasts. I don't want to be influenced by it because um, you can get mm-hmm. drawn into asking the same questions over and over again. Um, oh, yeah. But in that prep, there was four things I wrote down that we have in common. Um, you just mentioned a fifth as well and actually mm-hmm. a sixth. Because <laughs> um, I just left my job um, at the beginning of the year. I actually was an engineer in the aerospace industry. Um, so a quality, a quality engineer, though, um, was quality manager there. So I was in the business for 21 years. Uh, but we... Do you know what I was the manager of? I was the manager of the quality and risk engineers. No way. <laughs> yeah, I so... got AS9100. Come on. <laughs> Rev D, I hope. <laughs> We're good. It's going to be the nerdiest, nerdiest podcast of all time. <laughs> yeah. So I used to do a lot of traveling up around Seattle and all from here, you know, up to Boeing mm-hmm. and Toulouse. Um with Airbus, obviously, and things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So we did a lot of running up around Seattle. It was absolutely beautiful. I missed that. That's one aspect I will miss leaving the job. Like, but I actually started up a, a mountain guiding company. I got sick of that world and I've actually moved into the mountains full time. Um, cause mm-hmm. we live in a lovely cascade called the Mourne mountains here on the County down coast, not on different. Um, and I'm also was in UTMB this year, but I deferred it. Oh yeah. To next year. Um, actually 2023 actually. Oh, cool. So I gave myself oh, okay. two years based on where I was at to get the base sort of built back up again um yeah there's four words i wrote down here that we do have sort of in common there was a couple of other ones so rugby engineering boston 2018 and barclay classic and we're yeah. we're both linked in all of those things um and you said that you're running for five years but i'm originally from wales so down mm-hmm. spoon fed <laughs> rugby you know when i was younger, oh my god up in i have i've got several uh welsh jerseys um yeah i've got i've got a few i've got a few pretty rugby shirts back in my all my boxes packed um i've never been to wales but that they've got a cool rugby top now man but oh and your the flag's amazing too how can you be the flag with a dragon on it i mean it's the flag of the world really um i could never even attempt to speak the language i think that would be impossible but it's an incredible place (laughs) yeah no it's super cool like so i was 12 years old when i moved to ireland um so they spoon fed us rugby when we were younger you know it was like four Mm -hmm. four days a week you were born with a rugby ball um i used to play number eight on the field because i was i'm quite a tall person are you tall I'm yeah, six, I was gonna say, are you tall? <laughs> six foot one, um, nearly six okay. foot two. Like so, and we're talking youth sort of rugby, you know. So I was quite tall at that sort of age. Mm-hmm. So hit the back of the pack. Um, but you played like back then. I'm forty six now, so I don't know. Can't do the sum right now, but it's too late <laughs> in the evening though. Um, 
but women in the sport wasn't something that I was aware of. You know, now in Ireland in Gaelic, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's loads of female Gaelic players, and up until about twelve and thirteen, the teams are actually mixed. Do you know? So, mm-hmm. and some of the roughest players on the pitch are, are females. <laughs> oh yeah, we're vicious. I mean, yeah. it's I love, and I coached for several years. I coached high school. Those girls, they were out for blood. And then, I mean, I had to spend, I think, every practice teaching them more how to tackle without hurting themselves <laughs> or the other person before I could even get to ball handling. I was like, hey, we've got to not. And the, and the boys, I could just let them be. They figured it out, you know, shoulder to the gut, you know, wrap around the knees. They weren't going to hurt anybody. And the girls were just smashing into each other's faces and pulling hair and going straight, you know, all jersey. And I was like, okay, it's not a, it's not a lunchroom fight. We have, <laughs> we have to not... Like, and I was also a ref and I was like, I would red card every single one of you. This is horrible. <laughs> so yeah, coaching high school girls to play rugby in Boston, Massachusetts was an experience um, to say the least, but I finally kind of coming up here in high schools. Um, it's a club sport now in a lot of high schools and it's um, actually really big in the South for um, out in Texas. Rugby is picking wow. up a lot, actually. It's a very disciplined game, isn't it? There's a lot of discipline. Yeah, like- I, I mean, I... Over here we have Gaelic football, like, and it's mm-hmm. it's rough. Do you know what I mean? Like, and you've got the coaches, and yeah. they're, they're shouting and roaring at the referees, and the whole thing's just, you know, it's like it's it's quite abusive to watch, you know. And sometimes I'm like, mm. and when I come from a rugby background, which is very disciplined in that perspective, oh, even yeah. though it's quite a contact sport, there's a lot of respect mm-hmm. and things like that. I was always sir. You know, I I refed for I refed and coached for about five years, and I I love being sir the whole time, even though I mean pronouns be damned, I guess. But like <laughs> sir, sir, you know, always a hand raised, and um and I and I loved that I yellow carded anyone who yelled "Hey, lady" at me. Just <laughs> oh jeez, you definitely wouldn't like, do as I mean, a Gaelic coach, like yeah. If anyone yelled ref, that's fine, but if you yell "Hey, lady" at me, I was just throwing you off the field. Like get out of here, you know. <laughs> It was, uh, I, I love that sport. There's a team here in um, this part of Alabama that I live in. Um, and my husband forbid me from playing because uh, I got way too many concussions when I was in college. Not way too many, more than one. More than one concussion in college uh, damaged my back and blew out a knee. And so uh, a team got started and I got really excited and I was like going to sneak off to tryouts. And he was like, no, absolutely, absolutely <laughs> like running that's our thing now we're not gonna we don't need to go hit people on the weekends but i miss it yeah it, it can be a dangerous sport rugby is sort of coming to the, the limelight a lot more isn't it with the professional rugby mm. players about the concussion and things like that and mm-hmm. potential brain damage oh, yeah let alone the cauliflower ears that you have to live with for the rest of your life <sighs> you are i mean yeah the locks man five six <laughs> Oof. or four five four five um see i can't even get my numbers right yeah i mean uh my girls i used to tape all their heads up trying to prevent that we used to run all the tape around their heads and braid their hair back trying to keep them from getting really messed up oh those are the days i was too short to play anything except uh um fly half full back that was all i played i, I just <laughs> i was just tiny and i could run i got in the back of the field but you had to stand in the way of the post like that front runner coming at you and that was how i got all my concussions was trying to be <laughs> full back and wait for yeah and i was I mean, uh, in college, I was almost 150 pounds. I was about 20, 30 pounds heavier than I am now. And um, I was still the small, generally the smallest woman on the field, apart from our, um, maybe our scrum. And uh, yeah, I'd get those 
200 pound college ladies coming at me as fast as they could. And uh, yeah, that was one or two concussions that I didn't, took me a minute to get off the field from, and I'm still an engineer, so it worked out okay. But <laughs> So do you think that's helped you then? Like, cause in the world of ultra running, you know, the hardest bit of ultra running really is, you know, accepting the pain or accepting mm-hmm. the suffering. Um, mm-hmm. And when you're not exposed to that through your life, I started running in my mid thirties, like, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's been a process for me to go into it and learn through that experience. Mm-hmm. But do you think through that hardships of rugby, that sort of helped your mental sort of resilience going into ultra running? Yeah. And I think those positions specifically, I like to compare like fullback to being the goalie of soccer, of uh, hockey, even like where you're just hanging out in the backfield by yourself the majority of the game. I mean, I joined lines. I got my own set of tries, but like I spent a lot of time by myself waiting. We weren't a great team. So often they broke the <laughs> Often the other team broke the line. We weren't great tacklers. Um, but having to go, it's kind of like that start line confidence of like, okay, we're going to do something that's probably really going to hurt right now because I'm going to go after that girl's knees and she's got 30 miles per hour behind her. Here we go. I think that definitely helped a lot. Not necessarily any of the uh, running we might have done or any of the athleticism I might have gained, which wasn't much compared to what I train with now, but like really just that mental like, oh, this is going to hurt and, and being okay with it. Um, that, and I think I learned how to fall a lot. I think I fall, when I fall now, trail running is a lot safer. <laughs> I think I'm a lot better at it than when I watch other people who didn't play a tackle sport in their life fall. Cause you just, I, I like to imagine I'm more graceful. I don't have any cuts from trail running. Whereas my husband or my, some of my other male friends fall, it's like blood everywhere. Cause they've, you know, landed like this and <laughs> they don't roll out of it. <laughs> But um, yeah, it was good training. So the transition then into sort of running, how did that come about? Um, It was really the move to Alabama where I was enjoying like running for kind of hobby. I started road running a little bit up up north 2015 kind of, but I was coaching and I was really enjoying coaching rugby and and refing. Um, So I was really busy. Uh, I filled a lot of my time and got all my steps in, you know, after coaching a high school rugby team for two hours every other afternoon. Um, But then when, you know, that season was over and I was getting ready to move, you know, then there's watching TV or drinking too much beer, all the, you know, (laughs) the the beer drinking part of rugby. All the fun stuff. All the fun fun parts of rugby uh, and not the running parts. And so then I decided I'd start trying to run. I found road running and trained for a marathon, which was horrific. Um, and then somewhere in that mix found trail running with a new England group in the town I lived in and then moved here where there was no rugby. And, uh, but there was, I lived about five minutes from a few different trailheads and a bunch of good groups. And that was a really easy, well, I can't just drink beer and, uh, hang out on my computer all night. We might as well find another, find another outlet. And that was, uh, a, that was a bit of, sal- of a salvation for you then. Cause when I moved here, to Ireland where we live um, and I played rugby four days a week um, I was 12 mm. years of age and they handed me a hockey stick <laughs> and I was like mm. what the heck I didn't even know men play, played hockey and they didn't play rugby yeah. at all and it was um, it's quite devastating for me I was like Geez, you know where's the local rugby team is about 50 miles away now luckily it's progressed and it's played all around the place now uh-huh. but um, you do need to fill that with something don't you oh I don't I I don't know. I, I hate to say, I don't know what I'd do without running. My hobbies have gotten a little few and further between, unfortunately, but 
um, at least there's always hiking, you know, if I'm hurt or swim and I tried to swim and I try to bike, but like just how easy I find trail running to be not, not, um, easy to go do, you know, like I, I know there's a lot of there's the enjoyment of, like, of it. So yeah. draws you out to it. like you're looking forward yeah, to getting out in the great outdoors and it can be whatever you want it not, to be. Yeah. It's either it can, and some of my runs become hikes. I mean, I over the weekend was one of the hottest days of the year here and, uh, me and my friends got really good at a run walk for a little while because everyone's everyone started you started to see everybody cramp up everybody got a side stitch we started trading salt pills and and energy gels around and and then I was like hey you know what let's just walk for a minute you know and take <laughs> oh let's take pictures we found a creek to play in and so our our long runs become fun um and it makes it a little less I feel like on the road road running oh that's a grind for me and sometimes if uh, we've had a lot of rain and the trails are really muddy or a lot of ice, but the roads are clear, you know, we'll have to go road run. And God, that is just a drag <laughs> just to put on road shoes and there's nothing pretty to look at. And you're just trying not to get hit by a car the whole time. It's a different uh, experience, isn't it? Altogether. There's um, yeah. I don't want to use the words, well, I won't use that word. I'll use the word connection instead. You know, there's a, you know, there's a back, there's a different type of connection when you're out trail running to running around the streets <laughs> and stopping at traffic lights and maybe, cause you've got a lot of walkways oh, there yeah. and you're like stopping the watch. I always see runners when I'm in America, they come to the light, stop the watch, cross the road, start yeah, the watch, stop, right start. <laughs> it's like... my, I, I would love you to, I'd love my husband. I wish he was here. He would chime in on that. I, I do do that. I stop at stoplights and stop my watch and then, and I get really angry if I forget to start it again when I'm halfway down the next street and he's been mostly a trail runner and he's been running since before uh, GPS watches. And so he doesn't do any of that. He just runs and then just lets us watch run. Even if we sit at the light for five minutes, he goes, what does it matter? You know, <laughs> and he's right. What does it matter? You know? Um, and road running here, I feel it's just so dangerous. We have no sidewalks. You're running mostly in uh, we have drainage ditches along our roads. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I found the roads in Ireland when I ran in Ireland, whenever I run in Ireland to be very similar to roads in Massachusetts where they don't drop off into ditches. The roads are a lot flatter because they were yeah, built a long yeah. time ago. Um, but here they built all their roads to a point in the middle so that water would drain. Um, and so you're running on this horrible angle and in a ditch and trying to not get hit by a car. So it's awful. <laughs> and I cannot wait to move somewhere where there's dirt roads that are flat or whatever, at least flat when you're running down the middle of them, even if they're going straight uphill, <laughs> they're not on a curve, they're not on an angle. Colorado big class. Like, um, when you transitioned into road running then, were you fast, relatively speaking? Oh, no. Mm -mm. I, I actually got faster trail running, uh, move, trail running and then running on road races. Like I, I did all road running, trained for my first marathon, followed whatever Jack Daniels method, definitely pulled up a BQ marathon plan, all of it. Um, and it was horrific. I think I ran like 355 my first marathon. I was breaking two and a half, you know, 145, whatever, just pretty much eight minute miles, eight thirty minute, eight thirty minute miles, and um, quit all that. Started uh, trail running a lot more and found that I could like win trail runs by walking part of it. How you know how much <laughs> how much how much more amazing? You don't want people to know that. You don't want people to know <laughs> that. <It's> like, <laughs> you know, win a 50k by 20 minutes and then be like. I, I walked like, <laughs> a lot. I, I walked a lot. And that was, those were like my first 50 Ks where I did had no, you know, I would have my hydration vest had scarred my chest because I chased so bad. I didn't have, 
my shoes gave me blisters, you know, the, the rookie mistakes I made. Um, and then after a couple of years of that going like maybe a year or two that going like, okay, I haven't run a single road long run. I'm going to try to uh, BQ. I'm going to try to boss qualify again and like did it. And it was not difficult and it, it difficult considering in the, you know, I now had that mental picture of like, Oh, I've been running for five or six hours for a race. I only have to run for three hours and 30 minutes mm. for my qualifying time. And, um, you know, was so stoked and I did it and I ran the stupid Boston qualifying time at our local road marathon in basically a trail running outfit because I had planned to like kind of walk it, like have fun with some friends to run it. And then it just turned out it was a perfect day for me and I felt good, but I had like a trail running flat cap on and a trail running vest on for a road marathon. It was, I looked so silly in the pictures. Um, but that was like what got me to Boston the first time, you know? So those were all those memories are like, so me and you, know you, you can be a trail runner. <laughs> me and you were on the starting line at the same time in 2018. The so worst. The worst day of all time. Yeah, I'm still cold. Are you still cold, Robbie? Because I'm still <laughs> cold from that day. I'm still. I can't feel. I couldn't feel my fingers for days. It was um, traumatic, for a better word. <laughs> um, it was my last. It was actually my last world major. So I was I was collecting mm. my sixth star. Then I'm not a fast, relatively speaking, not a fast runner. So around a three twenty five sort of marathon. Um, uh-huh. Boston Lake. I've, I've talked to a few people about it that's been on the podcast and it's turned into a counseling mm-hmm. session. You know, from the minute you're... <laughs> so from the minute that you're queued up on the buses, you know, and it's torrential rain. And I'm, I'm looking at people walking past with plastic bags on their running shoes and shoes. that they're wearing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they're mad. Like, But when you get to the starting line and, you know, the toilet area is like Glastonbury oh, Festival. And it was like minus one. And I'm glad that I know that reference to Glastonbury. That's such a good reference for what it was because it was so bad. I mean, so do you want to know how bad it was? Like I, I am almost a hundred percent sure that at one point I can, I standing in that line in the pouring rain, freezing. And I went like, I could just pee my pants and no one would know. I'm like, I have to pee so bad. The lines are so long and people are high. Did you, I don't know if your wave did this. People in my wave were hiding in the toilet from the rain. Yeah. They weren't, that's right. And that was the worst part because I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And I know you're not going to the bathroom. And so I stood there and I was like, I'll just I'll just pee my pants. And I don't know what <laughs> else to do. These people aren't moving. And so, yeah, it's very much like Glastonbury. <laughs> like, it was so and, like Glastonbury. Uh, like. Um, and I've never been so cold. And I wasn't prepared. I didn't take the bus. I got dropped. The start line's only about 20 minutes from where I grew up, 20, 30 minutes from where I grew up, my parents' house. So I just got dropped off at the start line and I didn't have anything. I didn't have... Um, I think we ended up stopping in a, a dollar store on the way up and bought me a sweater, like a, just something yeah. to wear over and a poncho to pull over that. Oh, it was so cold. I remember the night before I'd gone to a small shop and bought like a pair of jogging bottoms and top mm-hmm. and it was a bit surreal because at the starting line, you just sort of walked up to the starting line. They sort of give up doing the ways. It's just like, right, just walk to the line and go yeah. whenever you're ready, just go. Cause the weather was that bad um so i took off like rocky you know i had this gray sort of jumpsuit on mm-hmm. and i went That's up the, what I did. the first little hill come up there was somebody playing the rocky theme tune and if the speakers blast and i went this is not happening like for my last six major me running in rocky's outfit like listening mm-hmm. to this music coming up the hill in the rain like i just had to strip it all off 
Um, but I had a running vest on then. That was it. So I ran the uh-huh. race in a pair of shorts and a running vest. Uh-huh. And at one, t- one time, I actually had to just stop because I literally couldn't mm-hmm. see. It's not like we don't get that rain in Ireland like that. It wouldn't be as heavy. Like It was a real like heavy thunder shower. You know, the rain mm-hmm. was that heavy um, yeah. constantly the whole way. Like, and it was blowing. And yeah. it was blowing into our faces in the direction we were running. It was not a tailwind. I also had to, I started in this gray uh, men's medium sweatshirt that I, hoodie that I wore and it immediately became soaked through. And I got that off at like mile one, um, maybe mile two. I was so cold. I was just hoping I would warm up and I felt bad littering. I was like, my only thought for about 10 miles was that I littered the sweatshirt and I felt so bad. And then I think at 15, I had to use a portage on and um, actually I was so cold. I couldn't get my tights back up. And I asked a volunteer, I like got him halfway up my hips and I just, I couldn't move my fingers. I was just so cold. And I yelled at a volunteer and I was like, I'm so sorry. Could you please just, I needed them just like just a little bit higher. And she, best volunteers in the world of Boston Marathon came over without question over the porta potty and like hiked my pants up and I was like, thank you. And I took off again. And I hope she tells that story. That's definitely an exclusive I know. I, and I, I showed her my hands. I was like, I couldn't make this motion. Like I couldn't close my fingers. And I was like, I can't get my pants back all the way back on. And at least I didn't come out like, totally with them down to my knees and, yeah. <laughs> and like, like, just screaming for help. But I have, it was such a disaster. And like, man, I was, I had a friend in the elite wave who was so, who had worked so hard to run whatever three ten whatever got her into that like very first wave. And she, I think ran it in sports bra and arm warmers. And I don't know how she didn't freeze. And, I was just happy to be there. My parents who don't care for my running, they are very proud of me, but it's not their, not their cup of tea. They don't care. They came out for the Boston marathon and it was the worst year on record. And, um, after that, they're like, kind of come to anything. I, was like, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> that, but the, that did, the, support, that the support on course was phenomenal though. You know, to still see people out in those oh, conditions, yeah. supporting everybody. Uh, and like, I was so amazed by that. Yeah. Even the, I mean, I think even the, um, Oh God, what's, what's, I've, now I've forgotten the college of girls. That yeah, I was going to say. Outside. The Wellesley girls, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, the Wellesley, yeah, even they, even they came out. Um, I wasn't, I'm, I'm, I'm not somebody that prepares very well. So that was all new to me that, and a surprise to me that that was going to happen. But I found it quite strange <laughs> because I was like, because they're, they're the kissing girls, like really, aren't they? They kiss mm-hmm. all the runners that are going by. Mm-hmm. And here I was, I don't know what age it was, 2018, so it's about. 44 years of age and I'm like there's something wrong about this and the tv <laughs> cameras are there and there's some old guy like he must have been mid-60s and I think he must have oh, done like, he must have done like 10 hours in that marathon like he was really milking that crowd <laughs> he was kissing oh, every nice. single every single one of them and I was thinking mm, tempting as it is like I think I could get in trouble here I'm gonna keep on going um I think my friend has a story from 2017 where um he kissed one of the girls older guy probably in his 40s he kissed one of the girls and uh a boyfriend happened to be standing next and he went like hey don't do that and then my friend (laughs) kissed the kissed the boyfriend as well and he goes like oh well one for you too and then kept running um (laughs) and so yeah just a little forced it was a good buzz like you know that's the one point in the race where i enjoyed it you know the hairs in the back of your neck sort of standing up and this roar Mm -hmm. from the school but i got to um heartbreak hill and i went to like it's not it's not a huge hill but i had severe cramp going up the hill because of the cold and everything was a lot slower and it was there was there was a river coming down the hill Mm -hmm. and um 
I went into the first aid hut. Jeez, it was mm-hmm. like a morgue. I mean, it was not. Oh, it was not good. And in when you're in America, especially, you know, they don't take any risks. They'll pull you off course mm-hmm. if you think you're oh, yeah. hypothermic or anything. And the, they just it was like three people just launched themselves at me and went to put a sheet over me. And I was like, no, get back. Don't come near me. Yeah, I am, pull you out. yeah. I am fine. All I need is something to rub into my legs. Just don't even rub it in. Just give me it and I'm gone. But I mean, literally, people were in bad shape in that that hut. You know, they were I hypothermic. There was, there was loads of people pulled off the course. Like half the elites dropped out. Oh, yeah. I mean, the women's field and the strongest swim in the world, you know, just all, all fell apart. I mean, why would you do that to yourself? If, I mean, I, let me see, I finished. And when I finished, I got, you know, I had the uh, blanket things, whatever they're called, the the, the hoodie, <laughs> the weird hospital gowns. Um, but I just, I didn't know how to leave that area. I got very confused in the finishers yeah. area. Um, but then somebody kind of like, a, a volunteer kind of got me by the shoulders and got very serious and asked me if I knew what my name was because I was I mean I was out of it I was totally shaking and I just couldn't figure out how to get to the my last name pole that my parents were supposed to be standing at but then it was like the weather had gotten so bad that they weren't even letting people to those areas and so I you know was just wandering the streets of Boston just like this like hoping someone would find me um, in the vicinity of the A to C finisher pole uh, for my last name and my husband kind of came out of the woodwork and he's like, we found you. And he goes, and then he didn't know what to do with me. Oh, cause they weren't letting anyone. Um, I don't know if when you finished this was stopping or I don't know where your hotel was. They weren't letting anyone into lobbies of hotels, yeah. um, to just stand. And it was, and I totally understand that. Like Boston is a very locked down area. They don't need a bunch of runners, like ruining the experience of people who are paying to stay in the hotel. I totally get it. But like my poor husband did not know what to do with me. I was just a drowned rat and my parents were circling in the one-way streets just trying to like you know catch it perfectly <laughs> where we could hop in the car um and then we just all went back to our the, our hotel room and like hid until I wore I think I spent I probably spent 25 minutes in the shower it was yeah I, I was so cold I, I can relate to that journey actually because our hotel was about a mile away so I had to walk with this poncho thing oh. or whatever it was yeah and mm-hmm. hoping I was walking in the right direction because at this point my teeth were chattering like literally yeah. you know it was that cold and I remember getting under a bridge that was only like 300 meters from my hotel and mm-hmm. the rain was that heavy I was thinking to myself I'm not going back out in that but I started shaking really badly yeah and I'm like what are you doing Robbie you're standing like you've just gone you've just come like 27 miles in this condition keep going <laughs> You're not getting shelter from yeah. the, this rain. There's only 300 meters to go. But same as, you know, I, I spent two hours in the bath then. <laughs> like, literally, mm-hmm. I was not getting out of the bath until I warmed up. And I just couldn't warm up. Like, um, But a great experience, nonetheless. <laughs> I, 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 was, I forgot to sign up this year, actually. I was hilarious. I would have gone back in September to run it or October, whenever it's going to be this year. And I have a qualifying time and I missed sign up. And I was really upset about no it. And way. I figured it'll beautiful day ever um so i'm gonna have to go back because i want even if it's sometimes it's because uh, what 2017 was the sunburn year that's what i call it i had friends there who got total heat stroke in 2017 and then because it was like 65 and sunny or uh, 70 degrees and sunny and then there was the ice storm year that we were there and so now i'm like i, I need to go back and just have a nice spring day <laughs> There's a lot, lot of character and history sort of in Boston as well, which is a bit unique. Mm. You know, in the six world majors, people say to me, um, you know, which, which is your favorite? And I said, 
because I was looking forward to Boston. I said, like, London had the best mm. atmosphere. Um, mm. New York had the best entertainment. You had Tokyo, which had the yeah, best culture. The Berlin's got mm-hmm. the best course, obviously, because it is flat. Chicago had a little yeah. bit of everything. So I was really looking forward to see what Boston had to offer. And it was yeah. Armageddon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then that's the best part, because they knew. They were like, well, he's had such a lovely time. <laughs> you know, fuck him. <laughs> Get him. Uh, and that's how I felt about it. I lived there for 20, I lived there for 25 years and I had never encountered such a horrible day in the middle of April. Um, and I was just, and I, and then everyone blamed me, you know, I came back to run it. They're like, oh, you came home for the first time in a year and a half and now it's a disaster. So um, what time so yeah. did you get in Boston? I think I ran 3.45, I think. I was going for... I ran some, 3.25. 3.25. Yeah, so ran, was that normal for you? Were you a recreational... No. You were... Well, that was, I knew I wanted to qualify again at Boston because my plan had always been, and then I got the pandemic screwed everything up, but my plan had always been only run Boston, you know, <laughs> re-qualify at Boston every year and just only do that road marathon because it's so much fun. Um, and so I didn't, so I knew I had to do that, but I was, I had trained actually kind of hard for Boston and I was really hoping to run like closer to three. Um, and so, yeah, it all fell apart. Um, I mean, I couldn't feel, I don't know about you. I couldn't feel my feet at the end. And I ended up kind of with like a foot injury because I wasn't striking correctly anymore. Like, cause my feet were so numb. I was running like on the outsides of my feet or something. I, I mean, I can walk after a hundred mile or I'll walk fine within a day. And I limped for about three days after that marathon. So yeah, I ran through 25. What I'm trying to, I suppose, get to is that leap from how well you've done in the world of trail running to your marathon journey because you've you know you've only started five years ago as such mm-hmm. into running and yeah. just above average from a club runner perspective you know if you're, if you're cutting down to like three hours is an exceptional time yeah um, for running i mean i ran let me see i ran 310 at we have a local marathon here uh, i ran i ran 310 and i was real proud of it i had my nike next percents on um and i cramped up I mean, I wanted to run sub 310. That was my goal that day. I ran like 310, 50. I cramped up literally <laughs> sight to the finish line. I bent over, side stitch. Um, so embarrassing. And I had nothing on me because it was a marathon. You don't run with a vest of gear. Um, and so my my plan is to keep dipping my toe back in for winter, basically winter marathons. That's the only time I like to run on the road as if I'm a little cold. Um, and so I want to get up, really like to go live at altitude for a little while. Um, do some more trail running, obviously all the trail running and then dip my toe back in for a marathon training cycle for a few months and then maybe come back. I, I do love the marathon that's here in my city, um, in my Alabama city. Uh, it's a beak and it's a Boston qualifier. Uh, so drop back down to sea level and see if I can pull off three. Um, I had a, I had a girlfriend OTQ at CIM California marathon uh, a few years ago. Uh, so then I also was thinking I might go run that. Um, I don't know that I can pull off an OTQ. I think that's like a, you know, that's a year long training cycle. That's not, mm. I get to play around on the trails for nine months out of the year and then go on a few road long runs. But, um, if I could get down to three hours, that'd be, that'd be enough. You know, I don't, I don't feel the need to Olympic trials qualify mostly because I, if I went to the Olympic trials, I'd just get spanked. <laughs> just be, I could be, I'd be 50, whatever. There's probably several hundred women. I'd be 150th in the field or something. It'd be, it's it'd be great. Fun. Um, it's great speed training though, isn't it? For the trails. It's good to keep oh, your yeah. fing- it's good to keep your fingers in it and keeping that speed in your legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I usually have a speed workout 
every week. I mean, I have a workout every week anyway, but sometimes it's a hill workout or sometimes it's a speed workout, depending on, you know, what kind of day or week I'm on. But um, the speed work I do on some of our easier trails so I can go real fast or I will do it on the road. Um, and it's more about, you know, effort and I don't put a mileage pace on it, but um, yeah, I'll go do 800s and 400s out on a track and I don't, I don't die. So I'll call that a success. <laughs> And like 310 around that time, did you have, mm -hmm. like what's, was it your own structure you were put into place? I know that you're um, sort of coached. Are you, are you coached by David Roach at the minute? I am. Yep. Yeah. And he was, and he coached me for that. And so, yeah, we took this okay. kind of hard, let me see, what what had I done that year? Oh, that was, I mean, that was 2019. So that was, I had done, I mean, God, that year was insane. That was, I had a Georgia death race to qualify for Western, got into Western, um, and then that summer was like Western to, yeah, so Western States to CCC to the Barkley Fall Classic. In 2019. 2019. And then to um, Biggs. So there's another thing we yeah. had in common. So I, I, so I, and then I was at Biggs back there in 2019. It was awful. So I had a horrible 2019. No, it was amazing, all those races. And then I was like, you know what we're going to do now? Let's go run a 310 marathon. And my coach was like, we can try. <laughs> Uh, my friend's gonna laugh every time I refer to yeah yeah I did that and I did that like because mm -hmm. they, they know I am so substandard to that like but you still have to get into these oh races. I mean I DNF CCC 2019 oh, so <laughs> if you finished it you're much better than me I made it to mile 50 and my husband convinced me to go get a burger and a beer because I was you had the crying. wrong you had the wrong crew you had the wrong crew at two o'clock in the morning I phoned <laughs> my wife up and said I am out of here I, there's no way I can continue and she yeah. was like, there is no way you're getting out of that race. I said, my IT band's gone. She said, strap it up and keep on going. And she gave it off to me at two o'clock in the morning. So I just felt sorry for myself over the last two climbs. But there is like, there was like a 29% dropout. You know, it's, it, it's tough to get it right on the day, isn't it? Yeah. That year was like, oh, I remember what really did me. And I, I didn't know the rule of um, if you want poles, trekking poles you've got to start with trekking poles yeah. or you can't have them at all I didn't I somehow didn't didn't catch that rule and uh I kind of had it in my head that um if I get really miserable all I need to do is pick my trekking poles up because that's just how I do my hundreds right and um yeah I got to mile 50 I couldn't put pressure on my right leg mm. um, my knee had gone out and I couldn't step up on it to do all that last I mean that last climb I think is a several thousand foot climb and it's all in meters and I couldn't do the math. <laughs> Europe, Europeans. And um, I, I was testing it out on just a picnic table in the aid station at mile 50. And I, I was like talking to Luke, my husband, and I was like, I can't, I was like, watch me try. And I couldn't put pressure and uh, without crying. And I was like, I can't do this left footed the whole next. I, I was like, it was, it was taking me eight hours. Um, and I was like, well, let me take my poles. And he goes, oh, you can't take your poles. <laughs> and then he and then he said he's like I, you know, I called my coach on our you know internet phone and you know of course he's just supportive he's like hey you've had a crazy year we're going to bfc in a few weeks and then we've got digs backyard after that like have a good vacation because we were spending the next uh like week and a half traveling around europe uh we hadn't had a vacation or it was like our honeymoon and yeah so it was an easy convincing when my husband's like well if you can't walk and you can't take your poles uh the closest bar doesn't close for another half hour we could still go get it we could still go get dinner and watch the finish and i went okay you know so we we had burgers and beers uh in downtown chimney it was 
That's, the, that's the always the worst case scenario. That's what I tell people, you know. So the worst case is you pull out and go and get a beer. You know? Yeah, and 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 I I'm glad I have I'm married to someone with that attitude because I think I would have let I he gave I think he allowed me like a two hour pity party to feel really bad about myself and cry myself to sleep for failing. Um, and then the next morning he was like, Hey, let's go for a hike. And you know I ran 50 miles. It was a miserable hike, but we you know hiked up part of Mont Blanc and got someplace, had a beer. And then we, we were doing Italy and meet South of France. We we're doing this huge vacation. And so you can't ruin our vacation because you quit a race. And yeah, what a beautiful anyone, place. You know, like that. And then I'll turn to be, yeah, I'm going to be miserable sitting in the Mediterranean, you know, <laughs> the most beautiful place in the world. And so I got over it real quick, but I imagine there's, if you're quitting a race and you're just kind of in the middle of nowhere in Idaho, that's probably a lot different than quitting a race and you're in Chamonix and you can go on vacation for a week, but it changed my mindset a little bit about quitting something. Yeah. I do think like it surprised me the last two or three climbs in CCC, you know, you, you got all these guys that look like elite athletes, all these French mm -hmm. and Italians. And if there was a stone to sit mm -hmm. on, one of them was sitting on it, you know, going up them climbs and they were just wondering how the hell to get down. You know, they, did, uh -huh. they didn't even want to continue. I remember on the top of the second climb walking past this um, girl who was in her survival blanket. She looked like she was uh -huh. sleeping and it was like something out of Everest. Uh -huh. I sort of walked past her in slow motion and went, this voice was in my head saying, I should really see, is she okay? But these next five people, will I'm sure they'll stop. And I looked and they all just looked out and walked on. <laughs> and it's just like, God, I hope that woman's uh -huh. all right. Um, but there was, it wasn't just her, like there was bodies everywhere. Do you know those yeah, last few Yeah, I imagine that was and it was so hot that day too. It was a hot day. Um, I, I got ended up getting salt tabs from um, a Spanish woman I was running with. We were up in like the top, I think we were in the top 10 women, top top 12 or 15 women um, then. And she was real nice. Um, I had a lot of fun hiking with them. There's a few Irishmen I ended up hiking with who, uh, they all had their trekking poles and they had beautiful Solomon kits on and I'm just kind of a mess and all of my <laughs> stuff doesn't match. And I don't have poles because I don't, I don't usually, I don't really like trekking poles. And I just got my hands on my knees, passing them on the climb. And they were like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what are you? And I was like, well, I'm just, I, I didn't know, I didn't know the pole rules. So I didn't start with them. And now I'm, Pain. but it's going to be okay. <laughs> and now I know that rule. They're a big advantage, like, aren't they? And in, in like they, they really do take the weight off your quads. Oh yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and for going downhill, I've, I've gotten really good for, full Barkley, you know, going down, having poles for going downhill and learning how to do that right. I mean, I saved, we all saved ourselves on some of the descents at, at, at Barkley with, with trekking poles. Um, all lads would have to do is say no trekking poles. And I think we'd all fall off the cliff yeah. much more than we already do. We have um, the likes of Beth Pascal, who just won the Western mm -hmm. State. I, don't, yeah. I know they don't have poles there, but she is phenomenal with the poles. She used to be a rower. Mm -hmm. Um, so she does. A, oh yeah. She does a very a lot of very specific upper body sort of workout. We had her coach on Martin Cox, and mm -hmm. um, we were talking about strength and conditioning, and that's one area she focuses on. Now I'm just back on the mountains after sort of being out for six. Well, I'm doing a lot of hiking, obviously, all year because that's my job. But mm -hmm. um, I went for a bit of a, a run the other day with the poles, and I had no <laughs> upper body strength whatsoever. I was oh, like, Jesus, yeah. I can't even push on. I can't even push up with these mm. at the minute so it's he was you know i was asked he's a very good coach because when you asked him about training he didn't he wasn't able to give you a specific answer because it depended on the race depended on mm -hmm. you depend on 
you know, where your weaknesses are, blah, blah, blah. But he said, like, if you're using pulls, you know, you should be focusing on upper body strength. You know, the advantage of that can give you climbing. Um, and I give yeah. Beth Pascal as an example, who is a phenomenal, outstanding. Yeah. I'm not showing you mine. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I love seeing trail running women with, with arms. Like yeah. I, I, I lift, I do pushups. I think it's so important, especially from rugby. Um, I'm working on my pull-up form. Um, I mean, I used to lift way. I mean, I used to power lift with the men back when I played rugby and I, I did, really didn't want to lose all that strength. And so now I'll be in, you know, pictures at races and, um, that'll be the comment. It won't really be about my legs or anything, but it'll be, you know, in that moment, I've got my poles back or something and I'm flexing or whatever. And then someone will be like, Oh my God, like you have arms. And I'm like, yeah, because do you know what it takes to carry poles at Barkley for 27 hours? it takes a lot of arm strength and it, you don't think about it because the only way, you know, yeah. two pounds total, God, 27 hours of two pounds, either just like, you know, off by your side or, cause I don't fold them up and put them away in any race I've ever done. I never, I never put my poles in my pack because they jingle. <laughs> it drives me crazy. Um, so I just carry them for hours and hours and hours. And as my husband, I've watched him carry him for, he ran uh 200 something miles of one of our trail or like for an SKT of a trail down here. And he carried him for three days straight, never, mm. never packed him up. Mm. And he's much stronger than me, but I think it's so important. So if anyone listens to this, go lift. If anyone listens to me specifically, I know they listen to your podcast, but if anyone ends up listening to me, talk, <laughs> please go pick up heavy things. If you're a woman, cause you need it. Yeah. It's key though, isn't it? Like, cause you, you, you have come in, five years and you've really hit the scene you know mm-hmm. everyone knows who liz is you it was 2007 2017 was it 2018 you'd done the barkley the first time around yeah 2018 yeah mm-hmm. so 2018 barkley. i didn't see you with ian keith did i back then you know what? did i see you with ian keith oh ian? yeah yeah i spent a lot of time with ian um let me see i finished with ian before Oh, he's so fun. I had a lot of fun with him. We we got lost together um, and then got found together because we, <laughs> we got lost together and then we found another group. Um, so, yeah, I finished my first loop with him. He got his shit together. And I quit. Um, <laughs> and so that was my only goal in 20. My only goal last year with uh, Maggie and Courtney and Jamil was uh, do not quit timeout. Not that you want to do either, but I did not yeah, want yeah. to ask for taps to be played i really just wanted to like go until i ran out of time and so a lot sooner than i planned but achieved that but yeah me and um ian's a lot of fun i hope i get to race with him somewhere else again i'll have to come overseas he broke his collarbone that race yeah so he did like yeah he did my son broke his collarbone there a couple to the day before he was off the school holidays he's only 13 he's playing gaelic football um and it was funny. It wasn't funny. <laughs> Clear that up. And I, I've broken mine. It hurts a lot. Yeah, and that's that's why I couldn't get over. You know, when I seen how much pain he was in. You know, the day after, I was thinking, "Geez, how did Ian get through that race with a broken collarbone?" Like, I mean, I can't even. I mean, I think he ended up um, getting it in his running vest. Did he do that? Because that's what I know. Killian did that. That was Killian's thing at um, was that Hard Rock UTMB? Whatever yeah. race he finished, and he had jammed his arm inside his running vest as like a sling and i think ian ended up doing kind of a similar thing because that's really what the pain is it's like when it's when your arm moves i mean i was in high school and so it's like the only thing they can do for you is they put your arm in a sling so you don't move it so as long as you could strap it up but he's super so there's there's one thing 
that sort of gels all this together, I think, um, which I wouldn't mind dipping into because I'm sort of in mm-hmm. a no man's land with it in, at the minute. And that is your coach. Mm-hmm. So David Roach, mm-hmm. um, I'm just back running um, because of the injuries that I had my feet, blah, blah, blah. But I've never been a consistent runner. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've scraped through races and got points and done what I had to do, you know. And and the reason being is because I'm a very greedy runner. So I'm feeling good today. I go, okay, I'm going to run a, a trail marathon. You know, this is like the sixth week in a row I'm running a tr- trail marathon. So there's no <laughs> no strategy. I just love that long distance sort of mm-hmm. endurance adventure, yeah. really. I just love the adventure of running, you know. And mm-hmm. I love A to B. And, you know, I used to run every Saturday and get the bus home. At twenty miles away, and I always left myself five minutes on pace. So if I was, if I dropped off at all, I was missing the bus. So I just run the twenty miles, get on the bus, and get home oh, again. Funny, uh, way to do it. And um, but it was the wrong way to do it because there was no consistency in my running whatsoever. So obviously, from the podcast, I've been doing this with about one hundred and forty-five episodes. I, I've got all this wealth of knowledge now. Uh-huh. Um, but one thing that I think is important as I move forward now because I moved UTMB to 2023 as a coach. I'm making mm-hmm. sure that it's the right coach for me because I'm going to be yeah. a pain in the ass. I don't think any coach wants me. Do you know, he's a, like, his lack oh, of discipline, which yeah. I will be disciplined. I know that's very, very important. Um, I've had quite a few injuries. Um, not too bad, like, but so I, I told my plantar plate. It wasn't like injury prone type of thing, but um I really, I don't want to go to UTMB and just crawl through the last 50 miles in agony and pain and coming over yeah. like mile 80 hill, crying my eyes out, just wanting to pull out. I don't want that. I want to enjoy it. You want to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so when um, you, how did you select your coach and sort of tell me, cause you've had a lot of success. It was obviously instrumental. I, yeah. Oh, absolutely. For yeah, I mean, 2019 was an incredible year, um, uh, and I really wish I had gotten to ride that success a lot longer to 2020. Um, but 2021 is looking okay as well, as long as more things don't get canceled. Um, but I, I was really actually strong armed into a coach um, by my husband because I overdo it. I'm very much like you. If I left to my own devices, I will not do workouts. I will run whatever I want to run whenever I feel like it. Generally, too much on a given week, you know, and never, I would probably not take rest days. Uh, you know, it's just left to my own devices. I hurt myself. And I was just lucky that for the first four years, for the first four years that I coached myself, I was just lucky that I didn't, I was lucky that I didn't hurt myself. And I think I just had youth on my side that I was 25, 26 and could do stupid things. And I was, God, there was a time period in like 2016, 2017, where I was racing like every other weekend and not just like, 25 Ks, like 50 Ks, like every other weekend, 50 milers, like just for, cause I was bored. Um, and so I was really strong armed by my husband to like, you need a coach, you need to dedicate money to this and time and, and be told what to do and have a schedule. Because even when you make a schedule for yourself, you don't follow it. You just ignore it and cross stuff off and go, never mind, I'm going to do this instead. Um, and so uh, that, and then I needed, then my requirements for a coach, besides just having one was like, something a lot more casual than I felt that some of the big coaching conglomerates were though. I know those men and and women at CTS and um, the other coaching companies are incredible. Um, I wanted something a little more casual and a little more intimate. It's probably a weird word. And I'm going to end up (laughs) definitely going to tell my coach I use that word, but like someone who would just talk to me and not this like 
I didn't want an app. I didn't want a login database. I didn't want to use uh, training peaks. I, I didn't want to do any of that because I hate technology. And you should definitely keep the first 20 minutes of us trying to start this podcast in because it'll prove to people that I'm in it. Um, I, and all it is, is like a Google document that we use to track my coaching. And it's me typing in on an app in my phone and it's like, nope, I got 12 today and like uh, my workout sucked or, you know, oh, it went great. And I tripped and my foot hurts, you know, whatever it is. And it's just this much more casual thing. And I can text him when I need to. And, um, you know, if I need to arrange all, you know, coaching is this full-time job now. And, and it's incredible to just be able to get a hold of someone you talk to, especially if it's not race strategy all the time, but sometimes it's like, I'm having a really bad day and I don't want to run, you know, and in which case don't, don't run, you know, sit and have a cup of tea and, and relax and read a book, which I've this really stressful season of my life, getting ready to move across the country. Like I've already put that, those things in my log on my schedule, like, Hey, today I'm flying to Colorado with a one-way ticket. Um, I, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I might not be able to run at all. Um, you know, and, and it's, those were, so, you know, and, kind of a long-winded way those are my my requirements for a coach like I so dislike regiment and schedule because that's my life for other things for my for my job you know my life is meetings and schedules and money and profit and so to then have that much more of my brain dedicated to a very painful database app approach to training was just not something I could do to myself. And uh, so I'm so happy working with David. Running run is your I, release, I, isn't it? You don't want it to become your, yeah. your work structure uh, of 20 meetings a day and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I have to be here. I have coached, to be on this time. Yeah. I, 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 and I've been, I'm a certified coach and, and I've coached a little bit and that finding that personality. Cause I want, I also, if I'm going to coach someone, I, I coach in that way in like a, um, you know, here's, here's a list of workouts, here's, you know, runs and kind of a week at a time and, and work it out that way. I'm not going to plan your whole year out. Um, and like, Hey, let's talk about it. And I've worked with people who want way more than that. They want to know what they should eat that day. They want to know, you know, like how many calories should I have before this run? And I'm like, I don't know. I had a donut yesterday. You know, <laughs> I don't, how much, how much water should I take with me for, for, you know, a 10 mile run and it's hot out. And I'm like, Oh, I guess fill a handheld. And it's, you know, they want, you know, a lot of people want more information and more numbers and science is awesome. But when that's what I do all day long, it's like running is, yeah, I put my pack on my back. Sometimes I forget to bring food and sometimes my phone's dead and sometimes my watch is dead. And I just, I get to the trailhead and I hope for the best. <laughs> but I'm trying to be a little safer in Colorado where I can actually, you know, die. But <laughs> it's, keeping it simple is keeping it simple and not losing the reason why you do it to begin with is very important isn't it oh yeah i mean i mean i i i know people who if they got to a trailhead and their watch was dead they would go home right and you know those i'm sure you know those people who who would go home and get their watch i or the watch they'd forgotten it i completely left my watch on the charger drove 15 minutes in traffic to my trailhead and was just like huh, well, okay. You know, like I don't need it on my, I'm, you know, I was able to record it on my phone or whatever, but do you know how nice it is to not have your, your pace blasting at you? Um, and I think it was probably one of the most enjoyable, uh, not, you know, totally miserable runs I've had in a while because of how hot it is here. Like I just, 
and it wasn't any slower than normal. That's what was funny. It was like, I didn't have to look down and go like, oh, I'm doing this climb any slower or than I normally would. It's like, oh, I just don't need to be told. Like I, I can do this by effort. And um, I think everyone should take their, all their it's gear quite, off. Every that's quite, li- it's quite liberating. One of my pet hates on, cause I'm a hiking guide now. So we do quite bucket list, longer hikes, maybe back to back 10 hour days. <laughs> and one of my pet hate is the runners and i am one as well so <sighs> but you know when we stop for a rest oh, they stop their, they, they yeah, stop huh? their watch and i'm like you're in the mountains <laughs> like yeah that, this is yeah, going, this, is, this is going on the lapse time anyway guys just forget about stopping your watches <laughs> yeah but you get well, to a summit, a you, hike. You, you get to a summit like you know you've been hiking for about four hours and you've got another four hours to go and you hit the summit right guys we'll, we'll have a mm-hmm. sandwich here boop. the watches stop and they're like, boop. i i love it when we're oh walking down the hill and i know they haven't started the watch and i don't say anything i'm like yeah i'm gonna get you <laughs> but what what type of structure does david bring because david didn't david release a book has he got books or the happy runner or something like that something yeah run that. happy run uh, happy yeah mm-hmm. run happy and uh the structure is there's definitely, there is structure. I, my weeks are very similar um, or, you know, or build if I'm building towards something. Um, hill cycle, speed cycle, especially whatever my goal races might be. So there's a lot of structure there, but there's definitely a lot more focus. And I get dinged on this a lot from him and is uh, being descriptive about how you're feeling and what you're feeling and what's going on in your life. Um, and he wants to work with people that share those things. And, and those are the phone calls I will get from him like, hey, all you've been typing in your log is like my exact mileage, you know, I'll just be like five miles, five miles, you know, whatever. And I'll do exactly what I need to do. I'm doing my workouts, but I'm not, I'm not giving him anything else or God forbid I go a week where I'm really stressed and I just can't even deal with running and I won't even check my log, which is worse. I'll just run and, and go basically, you know, off the reservation. And though, you know, those are the most important phone calls. And when he's like, Hey, are you quitting on me? you know, what's going on? And then, then I break down into tears because, you know, that was the week, uh, I think I had to fire, to fire several people at my job and I just couldn't handle it. And I didn't want to look at my phone and I would just get home in the afternoon and put everything away. And I would just go run what felt like the miles I should be running. And, and so there, there's structure, but more than that, it's like, it's not just checking the box of your miles. It's like, how are you running happy? Are you, are you, are you, physically okay which sometimes people aren't and they're just slogging through those miles with a busted up ankle um and you know mentally am i doing okay and 2020 2021 i don't think most of us were the whole time um and having someone outside of my circle to just like check in with was you know just that extra support personnel basically uh definitely essential personnel was david david roach during this pandemic prior <laughs> What's one thing, like, because CCC in 2019, like, you were really, you just bolted out there, you know what I mean? Like, from starting running five years ago to get into a race yeah. of that gravity and then hitting the Barkley and then you talked the likes of the West and then you won the, um, the Barkley mm-hmm. Classic, which is another thing that I had written down. I'm actually going to be doing the Barkley next month. Yay, I'll be there. If they open up the borders for us so yeah. my flights are all booked so at yeah. the minute my, my motivation has been flatlined this year like it was meant to be in Lavaredo um uh, Lavaredo the Barclay Classic and UTMB it was like yay um but we were yeah. my flights were getting cancelled left right and center so hopefully um it happens but you won both you won that twice didn't you yeah 2017 and 2019 
I wanted to make sure I won my way back into, because for anyone who doesn't know, Barclays Hall Classic, you yeah. win, you get your entry into the big Barclays. So I did so bad in 2018. I was sure the only way that I would make it back, uh, win a little little bit of respect, was to try to win BFC again. So I went back in 2019, and, and that went well. And um, now I'm just going back for, well, you know, winning is, is fun and all, but I, I love those trails. Um, and now I'm moving away and I can't just get there on the weekend like I can. So I definitely am going to fly back for it and um, have a good time out there. I hope you can make it. It's going to be, yeah. uh, I had a friend, I had a friend hiking out there. He said, Ratchaw is bad. It is, you know, all the way to the ceiling with Brian. So I saw scars from two years, of, two years of doing it. So one one of our last episodes was with Karen McNeeny and Chris Hanlon. We done uh-huh. a double episode yeah. with them, um, mm-hmm. and God love her, she got number one in the Barkley Lake. But oh yeah, that was funny. She didn't was... necessarily deserve it. I could have picked five other people who definitely could have used that number one, but uh, she got it done. She she so finished it. What what do you think was um, in essence? I'm looking for the right word there. Secret secret's definitely not the right word. Like, but the combination of what got you into first place in the Barclay Classic after ru- starting running so soon oh uh, sorry for such uh, a short so, I mean, period of running like three years like... yeah I mean yeah basically probably two probably two years actually before BFC um yeah, what? that year I I would say actually for what got me there in 2017 was a lot different than what got me there in 2019. Um, and I'll give part of that to David and changing my motivation for running. But in, in 2017, I was running angry. Um, I got so angry on Ratjaw in 2017 because we had, I had a lead, whatever that means in any race, you know, 20 minutes, whatever it might've been. And if you, when you get there and for anyone who's ever run it, that if you were at the lead pack it doesn't matter because everyone will catch you because you're now fighting the briars and so i was sitting with all of my best guy friends and then i could hear all the women behind me they'd all caught up you know and so i was so full of rage that i ran the last so we let me see we went up ratchet that year trying to remember where we went after that and then we went down we had to climb shimmy tops and so i ran so angry covered in blood that that was my motivation that year was like how frustrated I'd never run there before really, except for like one training run. And I was just so mad that that happened, which is just the essence of Barkley and BFC and Laz is like, Oh, you think you're great. You can go sit in thorns for an hour now or two hours for what it took. And then the same thing happened in 2019. I ran with the lead pack, got all the way up to the front and sat on Ratjaw for an hour and a half. Um, but I didn't get mad this time. I had so much fun. We had yellow jackets. We had, poison ivy it was absolute madness everybody ran out of water um and i knew everybody was catching us again but i decided that that meant i just got the longest rest like oh i've had a very nice rest for for two hours of climbing this hill one foot at a time um that now i'm just happy to be here and so definitely it wasn't a great motivator in 2017 (laughs) i was just really angry with how bloody and itchy i was um and then 2019 is like, you just have to look at anyone who goes to BFC, you have to realize how ridiculous it is. And that will get you to it. That will get you to the full 50K because you just have to go, God, this is so stupid. Um, and I tell that to everybody the whole time I'm running it. I'm like, isn't this just stupid? And everybody's like, no, it's really hard. 
like, no, this is so hard. I'm like, yeah, no, it's very hard, but isn't it just stupid? Alex, we're going to go run under a tunnel of water in the prison. We're going to climb up these rat and um, rat, uh, what's the word? Saw briar. I was trying to think of the word saw briar. We're going to climb up through all these saw briars. Um, it's 98 degrees outside, you know? <laughs> Couldn't be there's rattlesnakes, there's yellow jackets. I'm really selling it, right? Um, do you enjoy that type of thing, though? Oh, more than anything in the world. I love uh, I I love that race. I will go back to that race as long as me till I'm in my 70s. Um, I hope I'm that last finisher crawling in when I'm 65 years old. I I hope it continues for that long. I hope the park lets us keep having all of those races. Um, the Barkley in this year, this year 2021, and we all kind of talked about it because they we did COVID rules and really limited media. It kind of had that old old school feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, before, before every, before all the the madness of the HBO special and an international competition, which makes everything just really awesome and but really crazy with all the media that comes in, um, and all the new languages that you can't understand, which is really, <laughs> but it had that kind of old school feel to it this year, where um, there's no campers, there's just you're only allowed ten and you know one crew member only, you know limit exposure mm-hmm. and you're just out in the woods and it rained from the start and it rained for hours and hours and hours and it was muddy and awful. And I, I couldn't have had more fun and I hope everybody has. And that's the only way to, the only way to get through those things is to have fun. Even if you break the collarbone, even if you, and I, and I bet Ian Keith talks about how much fun he had, even with his broken collarbone. Seems to be a trend with you, this bad weather. Oh, it follows me everywhere. It's a joke. It, it is. Liz Canty's weather is a joke in our in our city with all of my friends with my friends who I still have in Massachusetts if I go home it pours the whole time I'm home um if I can bring rain to Colorado I'm sure they'd all be very grateful um I think we're gonna go to Wasatch and crew there's a forest fire right there if I can bring rain to them uh, I hope I can (laughs) hope I can wash it out it follows me everywhere it must have been pretty cool you know working through that race with Maggie and Courtney as well um especially what they've been through over the last couple of years like three badasses like you know we were like you know this shit could happen this year although the conditions were oh, horrendous you it ne- was and it was tough being you need a bit of luck like don't you because there it's such a micro climate there i know a friend of ours um billy reed who's a phenomenal mm-hmm. runner as well nikki spinks um oh nikki yeah you know the two of them went out it was like 30 odd degrees and billy never brought his trousers running with him and it went down to like five degrees in about an hour yep and it started snowing on them like or something and they, they had to pull oh, out oh that Jeez. was the 20 2019 year 2019, right 2019 yeah. yeah and it yeah. just like went from this Maggie... to this mm-hmm. and that happened to us this year too um and I, I and i bet people from england know that you guys have humidity you know the humid cold is so different and i know that took maggie and courtney and jameel they were totally prepared, but it did take them by surprise that when it's only, you know, it was only forecasted to get down into the 30 degree Fahrenheit um, range, which is what it did. But that when it is also raining and 60% humidity really is because frozen the head state park sits in the cloud. Most of the time, it is just so cold and it gets into your bones. And I was used to it and I was like ready for it. And, um, but if you're used to a dry cold from, from out West, man, that hits you right in the bones and uh we all i mean we we're all shivering but yeah they, that cold and then five hours before it got that cold overnight it was 
sunny and hot. Like it went up oh, into yeah. the 60s and 65s and it was, and it was sunny on rat jaw. Um, and you, you know, you can only carry so much gear with you before you're, you know, really, if you needed all that gear for Barclay, if you never got a cruise stop or anything, you'd have to have luggage with you for the amount of clothes you really could go through. You know, you could have a rain jacket on one minute. Um, I think uh, there's pictures of the girls. We, you know, you want your pants on the whole time for the briars and for water crossings and rain, whatever. Um, but it was so hot when we started on our second loop, we actually had our like Solomon wind pants rolled up into capris, which looked so silly, but we had them rolled up to our knees. And I think I had a long sleeve, like black wool shirt on and the sleeves pulled all the way up because it was sunny in 75, you know, heading back out and in a full sweat. And it was like, but I'm going to need these clothes on later. And I was, and we all did. And then I think I actually lost a glove, which was very disappointing. I ended up losing one of my waterproof gloves somewhere. And so I, I kept taking my waterproof glove off one hand and, putting, <laughs> and taking off and putting it on the other one and trying to just like keep my fingers from going red. And by the time we all finished, um, my toes and my fingers were bright red. It was, I couldn't feel them for a few days. It was but it was fun. It's gonna. It's gonna take. Um, what do you think it would take for? I don't even want to say a woman finisher now because nobody's finished since John Kelly finished. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. which is mental. Um, John obviously living across the road from it obviously helped. Um, he was able to learn that course so well. But it is something that you can. That you have to build. I know some people can go in. I can't remember who it was when and, and he finished on his first time, but um generally speaking you have to learn from the race and about mm -hmm. yourself isn't it? it's a different type of learning yeah. than you'll that you'll have to pick up in any other race yeah i mean i talked about it on a few other podcasts i always say that um you know man or woman what, what it takes to finish barkley is is time and yes any the men who have gone and done it on their first try or, or women show up on the first try and you know bev ad um getting two loops three loops going out in her fourth um it's incredible mm. um but I think the general trend is it takes a few years, just like it took John Kelly, um, even living right there um, or growing up right there. He lives in DC, but you, you got to keep going out there uh, about three and a half hours away. I'd, I'd go several times a year and um, you got to learn the nuances because that's the only time of year you're allowed into the off trail sections. You know, that's we, you know, that's when you're allowed off trails during the race. And so you really got to remember everything and do your damnedest to start every loop and never quit because mm. the time out there is what matters. And then, you know, we all talk about it. We all got home um, and wrote all our notes down, you know, like second we could get to pen and paper. Um, we wrote everything down. We could remember like, you know, hopefully that weird rock we saw is still there. Cause that was where you took the left turn, you know, and <laughs> um, trying to remember, you know, what, and I think I even wrote down some of the bear we took, there was a better bearing that someone else had that I didn't have because they'd been there the year before, you know, like Jimmy Hill's gone several times. So it, it was things like that, that, uh, that just take time. And um, that's why I just keep making sure I can go and putting on a good performance. So hopefully he lets me back or going to BFC and, you know, making sure I can really shoe myself uh, in some way. But um, I think it's just going to take time for everybody. Uh, and I know that, you know, Jared Campbell was back this year and he had Luke Nelson with him. And I mean, even he, when he finished, he was like, my God, that was the worst year I've ever been. <laughs> and, uh, I, we just need it. We just need a dry year. Uh, and I'd been out there training like two weeks before, um, just on the regular trails and it was all a mess because it had, we had a very, very wet spring. Um, 
And so I was like, this is going to be so ugly, <laughs> so wet out here. And it was. It must be disappointing when you see those conditions. Because like, there was one year where it stayed dry. And I think there was three finishes. The only, there was three finishes one year. Oh, yeah. And the weather, well, yeah, the, the, weather, the... the weather stayed perfect for everybody. So it does make a big difference, obviously. Yeah, if you watch, if anyone watches the uh, the race that eats at young, the 2013 documentary, um, I, I believe they started in the rain. Mm-hmm. It rained on and off, but um, a lot of that you can just see in the video. A lot of it's dry um, and warm. You know, the the guys running it were in shorts and t-shirts, um, and for some of the loops, and that was yeah, that was the year. Faggy, I'm trying to count. Faggy, Brent. You know, I think that was the year they had three or four finishers um, in that movie. So you can get a year there where it's dry. I think John Kelly had a warm year um, for part of it that you don't get a full, you don't get a full five loops of good weather, but if you can at least get a few, that's all you need to just dry out and kind of like get some time back. Um, Cause once you run out of time, you know, we, we knew we were out of time on loop one. We knew our loop one took too long to do more than a fun run. We knew we'd run out of time. Um, that, and you can do that math, you know, really easily and that sucks, but uh we worked really hard and navigated really well but whenever you take one step uphill and slide back four you know that's that's <laughs> what you're dealt that day at least it was five up and one back i'm normally the other way around um just mm. to sort of finish then you talked about time there's one thing that's been happening i think in the ultra world in the backyard you know we're looking back mm-hmm. three or four years ago and, and you know, people are talking about 250 miles and, you know, is 300 miles going to be possible? This year just blew the socks off that. We had ordinary runners all around the world knocking off 300 miles. Yeah. Um, one guy in Ireland, we had four people in the backyard in Ireland and Keith Russell, who's gone over to the backyard this year, he's been on the podcast as well, um, a good friend. Um, but yeah. There seems to be this journey that the whole ultra running community is going on with the backyard mm-hmm. and just learning and learning about how to succeed in that type of environment, both mentally mm-hmm. and through your nutrition and all of that good stuff. It's almost like this race has created these monsters of ultra runners. And it's one, oh, yeah. like everybody's learning. Like we had, I was looking at the list that <laughs> the Lars just published this morning. There was 11 people on there we've had on the podcast. So you can tell I like, I like the backyard. Yeah. Um, you know, Johan and Courtney and Maggie, Will Hayward, Anna Carson, Dave Proctor, we've had mm-hmm. them all on the podcast. And every yeah. time you've unpacked them over the last couple of years, you can tell the learning that's coming out. Is that something you would sort of gravitate towards? Because they're all your friends now, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was, I did, um, I was at Biggs in 2019 and I had just the most fun. I love that format. I thought I did really well at it um, uh, until I started hitting just the limit of my experience. Uh, You know, I'd only run 100 milers before and I ran them all in sub 24 hours, you know, so I was really um, not experienced past the 24 hour mark. I made it to 28 and everything kind of just started to fall apart, you know, you know, little stuff. And, um, and I wish I, I really wish I hadn't quit when I did, but I was same thing, just my knee went out and, but God, how much I enjoyed that format. I would do anything mm-hmm. to get back. Um, I'm glad that my next year, I, my race schedule is pretty open. I want to go to one of the golden tickets um, in America and we'll be able to travel again. And 
and go participate in some because, you know, my gosh, that you just make friends with everybody. I, you know, ran a loop with Maggie, ran a loop with Amelia, ran a little bit with Anna, um, uh, even though, you know, I can't speak her language and she's, she's great at English, but man, that was a lot of fun to talk to that. The, the Swedish contingent was, goodness, they were fun. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and they're so strong. I mean, it was, God, it was, it was an incredible 2019 there. And um, I could just keep talking about that race and, and just all the conversations you have because you, and the friends you make. And I, I've now talked to some of those people that I met there just, you know, randomly on Instagram or, you know, we laugh at each other's stuff and, and, and talk about conversations we had back then. And I think uh, one friend I made, we love, you know, the show, The Office. And now yeah. we just send each other office jokes occasionally out of, you know, for no reason. And just no, with no other text, just memes from The Office. And it's just, the, the, that's what the ultra running community is. And, and I think that is concentrated, you know, distilled and just put on display at a big, at a backyard style race is it's everyone in your community. And now you get to hang out for as long as you want. Cause all you have to do is quit, yeah, you know, for as long as you want, just as, as long as you want. No, it's a party that does not end until you leave. Yeah. And I suppose that's, that's the challenge for, isn't it? When you've got a race calendar, you know, it mm -hmm. does, you know, if you're going to go 300 miles, that's taxing on the body oh, and yeah. the mind yeah. that, that could take you two or three months to, get back into the swing of things after a thing like that and not only that I, I've only ever done one backyard and I had interviewed everybody that had done it mm -hmm. so like I knew all of the tricks I knew everything to do and I had Lavaredo um, coming up a few months later and I wasn't even prepared and that was just in my head right from the start and I was trying to knock it out and I was like no so I got to 52 miles and that was it or 50 miles and I pulled out and that annoyed me because Lavaredo was then cancelled but <laughs> Um, it was playing in my head, you know, I can't burn myself out because I need to be training next week. But you do need that stretch, don't you? You do need a bit of space to put that race in and because your mind needs oh, to yeah. be free going into that race. And you've got to be healthy. I mean, I think I think if I um I'm gonna do I think if I find one to put on my calendar next year, uh to do to do a backyard style race, um I'd probably not race I'd try to arrange it that I had months leading into it, not just for training yeah. what you need but I don't know that I'd want to race anything as a buildup because one, one ankle twist, you know, one silly hamstring thing that maybe like I could get through a hundred miler with isn't something you can go 200 miles with because mm. everything's magnified. And that's the only, but that's the, I learned that from, I went into bigs 2019 after, you know, Western and all these other races, I was tired. And I had a, a few little injuries that all flared up at once. Um, things that didn't bug me during Western. But once I started trying to run, you know, Western was 20 hours. Once I started running towards 28 hours, all those little things were like, hey, we're a big, you know, warning signs, like engine lights coming on. Just um, this hurts. And so like, if you know how to eat and you know how to fuel and you know how to sleep and you can do all that other stuff just make sure you're healthy which we yeah. all you know what is health what's healthy right what are we all ever healthy 100 percent? but, but don't ignore your don't ignore your niggles so i suppose that's the key point coming into that race you know you're training a couple yeah. of months coming up and you can feel little twinges but they're nothing you need to eliminate those because yeah. <laughs> those things yeah don't don't put in the don't put in the 150 mile training week. If you could put in the 80 mile training week and go to the gym, you know, and go to the PT, you know, 
get that PT appointment on your calendar, go to the, you go to your physical therapist and figure out how to fix your, you know, glute imbalance um, and run a little less because um, if you've got 10 years of endurance running under your belt um, and you're healthy, that'll translate to a really great backyard performance. Putting in, you know, three weeks at 150 mile weeks, like great, you know, you've shown you can run really, really far, but if you did that whole training week and you were sore and in the ice bath every night, you're not going to be able to do that at a backyard. You can't take, can't take two hours off and try to do some yoga, you know? <laughs> Have you any aspirations then for next? Well, obviously you've got a race schedule sort of lined out, but what, mm -hmm. what is your main a race coming up? Whew. Um, I haven't even picked one actually. Wow. So I've got BFC and I'm training for it, but with this move across the country, uh, I yeah. don't know what I'm going to do, you know, Barkley consumed most of my 2020 got canceled and then 2021. And, um, then I DNF'd a hundred miler shortly after that, which was really frustrating. Um, and then we just get into the summer here and there's not many races, um, because it's so hot and then traveling because of COVID. So everything kind of just exploded on us when we deferred CCC. Uh, so I'm going to get out West and try to probably find some sort of like low key hundred K maybe like 50 mile hundred K uh, for the fall, have one last, you know, beautiful fall hurrah. And then um, sit down with ultra sign up for a good night and uh, fill up 2022. Get a few um, beers into and, you and then you wake up the yeah, next morning and you're I like, just, shit. I, I, you know, I, I'd be sitting there like races are coming up and I'm like, She's like registered for that race. Didn't even realize. It's like sometimes you get that confused what you've registered for yeah, and what you haven't. I've got my biggest problem has been I was registering for stuff. Um, accidentally registered for races in the same day. That was unfortunate. I <laughs> uh, didn't realize I had done it. Um, had to, you know, I was like, oh, I want to run that and I want to run that. Lost track of time. Had to drop out of one. And then, um, you know, my most biggest frustration is there's so many races that I run on a regular. Like, um, we have a 50k mm -hmm. here in town that I've run every year that now I'm like, crap, now it's not five minutes away to the start line. Now I'm a flight, you know, now I have to fly here, stay with a friend to run this race that only takes four and a half hours, you know? And so now I'm having to like reevaluate what I do every year, uh, you know, the things I would do every year for a different part of the country and start trying to find those same things out there, hopefully. Well, Colorado, you're not, you're moving to a no better place. I, I suppose that's what it's all about. Oh is. yeah you know it's an exciting time an exciting journey and i wish you all the best and liz thanks very much i appreciate your time i know waffled, this is so fun i know i waffled on a bit there like um oh no i had a double espresso before the because it was 11 o'clock at night <laughs> so and i was over here drinking tea um no i appreciate so i appreciate that Hope, hopefully um they open up the border and they let us in because we've got three mates, mm -hmm. myself and three other mates are coming over to do the Barclay Classic. Like, so I was looking forward to it last year, but it got moved. Awesome. Um, just even to experience the course after talking about it so much would be epic. Cheers. Absolutely. It. Well, shoot me, a, shoot me a message and I'll try to read you guys up on some of the course. Well, what another great episode. That was really just a general chat to try and draw out the journey that Liz has been on over the last five years. A relatively new runner but she has hit the ultra running scene by storm. I really enjoyed the informal chat, which in my defense was recorded at 11 p.m., but it was interesting to hear how our paths had run parallel at times. 
I am finally going to release Noel Hannah's episode next week, which has been sitting in my inbox since he came home from K2 at the beginning of the year. Since then, he has summited Everest an astounding 10 times, so it should be an epic listen. So until next week, stay safe and keep on moving. <laughs>